grab your Bibles, turn with me. Book of Genesis, 22nd chapter. I wanna draw your attention to, a, uh, to an account that happened in Genesis 22. And I'm gonna talk through most of it and we'll, we'll read a portion of it here in a minute. But remember that God had made his covenant with a man named Abraham and his wife, Sarah. And part of that covenant was that God had promised them a son. They had not had a child, they were barren. And so God promised them a son. Abraham stood in faith for a long time before that son showed up. Any of you have ever believed God for something that it took a minute for it to get here? Isn't that just the way God works sometimes? But after a long period of time, Isaac showed up, the son showed up. And in Genesis 22, what we find is that God is testing Abraham where his son Isaac is concerned. Tells us in verse one of Genesis 22, that it was a test, that God was testing him. And here's how God tested him. He said, I want you to take your son, Isaac, the son you love, and I want you to bring him to a mountain that I'm gonna show you, build an altar there, and I want you to sacrifice your son there. Any of you ever feel like sacrificing your sons before the Lord? Yes, okay. So I don't know, this may, this may have excited Abraham, may not have. Anyway, off they go. Abraham, Isaac, and a couple of servants, they go off to sacrifice Isaac on the mountain. After about three days of travel, the Bible says that they saw the mountain where this thing was to happen. So Abraham tells his servants, you guys stay here. And he took his son Isaac up to the top of the mountain. When they get on the top of the mountain, he builds an altar there, binds his son Isaac, takes the knife in his hand, and is about to plunge that knife into Isaac's chest and sacrifice his son before the Lord. As the, the, the knife is raised, God stops him. And, and then at that moment when he stops, Abraham looks over into the thicket and in the thicket, there's a ram caught by his horns in the thicket. This ram is the substitutionary sacrifice so that ram was sacrificed instead of Isaac. But Abraham passed the test because he was obedient even to, even to the sacrificing of his son. But in that moment, Abraham had a revelation of God. He knew God in a new way. And he knew them in this way. Look with me at verse 14 of Genesis 22 said, Abraham, Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, or if we were to say that in English, it would be Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah means God. Jireh means provider. So it named the place Jehovah Jireh. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The title of my message today is The God Who Provides. The God who provides. Abraham found the provision of the Lord in that situation and in that circumstances. I want you to know that God is a provider. In fact, if you look closely at that story in Genesis 22, you'll find that that really is the story of him providing his son for us. He made provision for our sins through the death of his son who wasn't spared on the altar, but took our place. Can we hear a thank you, Jesus, for that? 
So God is by nature a provider. And so I wanna talk to you about provision today. No doubt there are those of us in here who are believing God for some sort of provision. And I specifically wanna talk this morning about financial provision. Because you know that in this day, in our nation, our nation isn't in the best economic um, health these days. If you've, uh, come on, I just signed a mortgage on a house. It's like at the worst possible time in my whole life, I could sign a mortgage on a house. I just signed a mortgage on a house. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Anybody drive a diesel truck and fill that thing up lately? Boo, yeah. Right, inflation's up, every, every, you know, the cost of living is high and, and it's challenging times. I was talking to some friends of mine who are in the business world and they are already feeling, you know, customers pulling back and in these times. And no doubt there's some of us in here in this room who are feeling some sort of financial pinch. Listen, here's what you need to know is that it doesn't matter what the world economy does. It doesn't matter what the U.S. economy does. It doesn't matter if the White House is blue or red. It doesn't matter if our our finances are attached to the kingdom of God, we're gonna be just fine. Come on now. God is a provider, but I wanna show you that there is a process by which we walk in God's provision. In our story there, we just read about Abraham. There's a couple of, this was a test and he passed the test. And I want to give you two keys to him passing this test. So if you're taking notes, here's the two keys. First of all, the first reason Abraham passed this test was because he had faith. He had faith in God. When he was leaving the the servants there and taking his son up on the mountain, he said to his servants, me and the boy... We're going to go up there and worship. And then we, meaning me and the boy, are coming back down. Well, he had it in his mind. He was obeying God. He was going to sacrifice Isaac on that mountain. But he told the servants, we're coming back. And the reason we we know that he was walking in faith is because Hebrews tells us that Abraham was fully committed that if he had killed his son on that altar, his faith said, God has promised me a son. And even if this son dies, God will raise him from the dead. Abraham had absolute faith in what God had promised. So that was key number one. Second key was obedience. Obedience. God said to him, go sacrifice your son. The Bible tells us this. It says early the next morning, he got up to go do it. How many of you would have made if he slept in a little bit? Right? He didn't sleep in. It was, he had faith in God and, and, and that faith caused him to be obedient to God. And then here's the key. Please listen to me. This is important. If you're believing for God's provision, what in whatever area of your life, including finances, here's what you need to know that God's provision for Abraham showed up after the step of faith in the act of obedience. His provision was on the other side of his obedience. And so if you and I are looking and waiting to receive from provision from the Lord, we need to use him as an example that we need to have faith. We need to have faith. Well, how do you have faith? The Bible tells us how we have faith. 
says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more I get in his word, I find out what he has promised us. I find out who his character is, what his nature is, how faithful he is, how he never, he never misses one thing. He always fulfills his word. As I read that in the Bible, it builds my faith that I also can depend on God. So we need faith like Abraham had faith. But also we need to walk in obedience. What has God told us to do? Because the provision we're believing for is going to be on the other side of our obedience. So I want to talk to you today specifically about finances, because if you're here today and you need some financial provision in your life, then you need to find out what God has said, what he's promised. And then you need to find the, the step of obedience for you to take in order to walk in the financial provision that God's given you. Now, I want to draw your attention to God's process. Like what, what process has he laid out for us to walk in his financial provision? It begins in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to this verse with me. And we're going to look carefully at this verse because this is a step of obedience we can follow in order to access the, provision, the financial provision that God has laid out for us. Luke 6, 38 says this, give and you will receive. Your gift will be returned to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, I hope, I hope I am the type of person and you are the type of people that could, that, that Luke 638 could have been one word and we would have obeyed it. Imagine if, if Luke 638 were the shortest verse in the Bible. It was one word and that word would have been give. I hope I'm the type of person that I'm so committed to Jesus that if he said give, the answer is yes. Shouldn't, shouldn't we see him as, as Lord of our life in such a way that if he says give, that's it. End of story. You said give, I give. But you notice God didn't do that. And this is going to go against, some of you have had teaching that taught a different way. Please listen to me. Jesus himself said this. These are the red letters. He said, give. And he could have stopped there, but he didn't. He knew you. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you now. He knew you needed a little incentive. And so he incentivized us to do what he commanded us to do. What was the incentive? He said, give and it shall be given to you. Now, some of us have been taught that we ought to give with no thought of, of anything in return. And I want to say something to you. That is a, a beautiful heart posture, isn't it? I mean, it really is to say, God, if you told me to give, I'll give. And it doesn't matter if I get anything in return. But some of us have been taught that that's the way we are to approach our giving. And then especially since the prosperity gospel put, put such a twist on all of this, many of us believe that it, when we give, we can't expect anything in return or we shouldn't respect or expect anything in return. Listen to me. If that's what you believe, it's not scriptural. Because Jesus himself said, give and it shall be given unto you. 
It's the process of sowing and reaping. In fact, if you look at the context of this verse in Luke 6, what you'll find was this is talking about giving anything. It's not specifically or limited to money. Because it says this right before this verse, it says, and it even works negatively. It says this, if you judge, if you sow judgment, you'll reap judgment. Whatever you sow, you harvest. So it says, if you sow judgment, you'll, you'll reap judgment. It said, if you sow forgiveness, you'll reap forgiveness. Come on, the Bible tells us if you want friends, how many of you want friends in here? You know what the Bible tells you to do? Sow friendship. You want a friends? Be friendly. Whatever we sow, we reap. And so if you're believing for God's financial provision, Luke 6:38 is your step of obedience. Give the thing that you were hoping to receive. I said this a couple of weeks ago. There's not a farmer in the world who tills his fields and gets it all ready and plants his field out of the goodness of his heart, expecting nothing in return. He's just loving the earth. Come on now. Why do you plant corn? Because you want some corn. Just this week, I planted some broccoli for my, my winter garden. You know what I hope I get? Broccoli. You, you with me? And so uh, God lays this out that he want, he's a provider and he wants to provide for you. He set a process by which you can walk in his provision. And it's going to take faith. It's going, to have, it's going to take faith that God is who he said he is. He, he, he is faithful to his word. He's not a taker. He's not going to rob from you. He's not going to leave you out there with no help. It takes faith, and then it's going to take a step of obedience. So if you're believing for financial provision, your step of obedience is going to be to give. Now, does that make sense to the human mind? Absolutely not. What does the human rational thinking say? If I want more, I got to save. I got to hold. I got to hold. No, no, no. In the kingdom of God, listen, it's called the upside down kingdom. It don't make sense. You want to re receive, give. And so this morning, we're specifically talking about walking in God's financial provision. It's going to take faith. It's going to take obedience. And your provision is going to be on the other side of your faith and obedience. So I want to show you three areas that the Bible has commanded us to give with our finances and then the promised provision on the other side of it. Three areas. Here we go. Ready? Number one, the number one area that we as believers should engage in in order to walk in the financial provision for, from God is tithing, is the act of tithing. Look with me in your Bibles in the book of Malachi, the third chapter. Let me show you a scripture. You ought to underline this passage in your Bible. Malachi 3, beginning in verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try me, put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant. Come on, lots of broccoli at Jody's house. For I will guard them from the insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. If you want to walk in the financial provision that God has for his children, 
The step of obedience, the act of obedience is the act of tithing. Now the word tithe means 10%. It's about 10% of your income. 9% is not a tithe. 11% is not a tithe. 10% is a tithe. That's what the word means. It's 10% of your increase or of your income. And then that 10% is to be brought to the storehouse. The question is, where's the storehouse? Well, the next, the, the, the rest of that verse tells us where that is. So there will be bread or meat in my temple. Now, listen, a lot of people shutting down right now. There's that preacher up there. There's a, listen, please hear me. We were talking about this as a staff this week as we were prepping for this message. There is no hook in this. Please know me enough. Please see my heart. There is no hook in this. Would you say amen if you believe me with that? There is no hook in this. Just turn to your neighbor and say, I trust him. This is not us trying to get something out of you. You know what? This is your pastor stand, standing up here saying, I want your finances tied to the kingdom of God so that you can walk in God's financial provision regardless of what the stock market does or, or any of that. Please hear that from me. But the intent of the tithe is to go to the church so that the church can do its function, can function that way. So the step of obedience for a believer is to tithe. And, and let me just tell you, church, Tithing is such a beautiful thing. I mean, and if all we think about is money, when we think of tithing, we're missing it. Tithe is about the heart. Tithe is about, Lord, you've been so good to me. You, I've never been hungry. I've never been homeless. I've never been, you've been so faithful in my life. It is my honor and joy to return to you. And thank you for only asking 10%. Come on. You could ask for 90. Can I, can I go a little further with you? You know, technically we don't give tithes, we pay tithes. We give offerings, we pay tithes. When you, when you send a check to energy every month, is that an offering you're giving them? Right? It's not. You pay tithes, it's something you owe. I mean, you pay your electric bill, it's something you owe. We pay tithes because we owe it to God. He's been so good to us, right? And so that's the step of obedience. And I'm sorry if that's a little, if that's challenging to some of you. Is it gonna take faith? Absolutely. Come on, especially if you're hurting financially. God, how, how would giving away 10% of my income when 100% of my income is not covering my lifestyle right now? Why, how would that make sense? Come on, it's the kingdom of God, church. It's not gonna make sense up here. A few years back, I, I saw this video and, and I hate these videos, you know, where these Christians get on, online and they bash other ministries and Listen, I know we should be looking out for false teachers and there needs to be sheepdogs in the body of Christ, but come on, not all of us are sheepdogs. There's some sheep here too, right? Come on, just. And, and not every minister is, 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 is reprobate. Well, there was this one guy and he was, he was pointing out, and I'll, I'll say his name, he was pointing out Pastor Robert Morse at Gateway Church in, in Dallas. Don't, I don't know how many of you love him, but he is a phenomenal teacher of the Word of God. And this guy was criticizing Pastor Robert 
because Pastor Robert was encouraging his church to tithe in a time of financial difficulty. And this guy was saying, how selfish of this pastor to ask people to tithe when they're having tough financial times. And I just want you to know, church, that is absolutely backwards. That is Pastor Robert loving his people, saying it doesn't matter. If, if you want to be tied to the finances of the kingdom of heaven, tithe. This is your way of escape. This is your way of provision. And so this is a step to take. What is the promised provision? Windows of heaven open over. How many of you would just like to walk with the windows of heaven open over you? Where blessings are being poured out on our life. In the King James, it says he'll also rebuke the devourer for your sake. Has the devourer ever showed up at your house? Come on, the first cold snap, you go to turn the heater on, the devourer got your heater. You know what I'm saying? But the promise is he'll, his, the windows of heaven will be open over us and he'll rebuke the devourer for our sake. And he'll bless us so much that people will begin looking at us and go, wow, look at the blessing of God on their life. When I think about that church, I don't think of them looking at us and going, look how rich they are. I think it's looking at us going, oh, look how peaceful they are. Look, look at the joy and the love and the, the kingdom of God rests on their property. Come on, even, even our neighbors saying, your home is a delightful place. Is that resonating with anybody else or is it just because I'm old? I just want my home to be a delightful place. I want people who walk onto my property to feel the blessings and the peace and the presence of God over my family and over my life. I'm just saying, this is one of the ways that God brings his financial provision into our life. Let me give you another one real quick. And it's giving for the gospel's sake. If we're going to, giving activates our provision and it's the, it's the step of obedience we take that we find God's provision on the other side of it. Tithing is one form of giving. The other is giving for the gospel's sake. In Mark chapter 10, we find that Jesus has this interaction with this guy we call the rich young ruler. You read this story? This rich young ruler, he's a wealthy, powerful young man and he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus knew what was up. Can I just tell you, our games don't work with Jesus. I, and I do believe this guy had a good heart. But he says to him, what do I get, need to do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus throws out this, well, keep the commandments. And the young dude was like, I was hoping you said that because you are looking at the fulfillment of the commandments right here. He did. He said, I, from my birth, I have kept all these commandments. And so he's feeling pretty good about himself at this time. So he's like high-fiving Jesus. All right, see you in heaven, brother. And then Jesus says, oh, oh, one more thing. Sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And the Bible said that this young man, he went away sorrowful. It broke his heart. You know, it was funny though. Uh, you would think like if I were Jesus in that moment, I'd be turning around high-fiving the disciples like, you see what I did to him? <laughs> you saw that move? But when he walked away sorrowful, the Bible said Jesus loved him. 
There was no judgment there, criticism. It was a broken heart of Jesus in that moment. But you know what's really happening? This is, this is Jody's paraphrase. So you throw this out if you, don't, if you don't think it's true. But here's what I think was happening there. Remember the young man had said, I have kept all the commandments. I believe in this little test Jesus threw out to him. What he was doing was holding a mirror up in front of him and said, not only have you broken the commandments, you can't even get the first one right. Because the first one is, thou shalt have no other God before me. What he was showing this young man is, your money has become your God. And again, Jesus wasn't, Jesus isn't sarcastic like Jody would be. He loved this man, but it was, it was a challenge to him. And so Jesus has this interaction with this young man. And then um, after the man goes off, then the disciples, you know, had been there with Jesus and they saw that interaction. So they start talking with Jesus about that interaction. And Jesus said to them, you know, that's why it's a challenge for people with a lot of money to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because sometimes, I mean, sometimes those of us who have a lot of money, that money can become our God. And I don't know about you, I've said this, I wanna live a life where money is not a distraction to me. Listen, too little of money, it's a distraction. Too much money, it can be a distraction. I wanna find that sweet spot in my life where money doesn't distract. Can I, y'all hear what I'm saying? And so Jesus is talking with them about this, about the challenge of wealth, that sometimes wealth can be a, be a problem, can be a stumbling block for people. And so he's talking to them about how he asked or you know, told the, the rich young ruler to give it away. And they're, they're having this discussion. And then Peter chimes in right there and he says, but Jesus, we, meaning we disciples, we have left everything. We, we have left our careers. We have left home to follow you. And then here's, here's the promise that Jesus gives to his disciples who have done what the rich young ruler couldn't do. The rich young ruler could not do this, but disciples had done this. And then here's what Jesus says to, to Peter in response to this. Mark chapter 10, verse 29. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news, the King James says, for the gospel there, will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, children, and property along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. The opportunity to give is for giving for the gospel's sake, giving for the furtherance of the kingdom of God, sowing into the gospel. And, and the promised provision is this, that when we give, whether we give our life or we give our relationships or we give our home or we give finances or we give vehicles, whatever we sow into the furtherance of the gospel, there's a promised return on that in this lifetime. A hundredfold return. Let me say that in your good ear. A hundredfold return. I'm not making this up. I didn't write this. Jesus promised that when we sow for the gospel's sake, that we'll get a hundredfold return. 
Now it comes with persecution. Anybody okay with that? I'll take a little persecution. It says this man may come with some persecution, but I think I can manage that. And it said in the, in, in the age to come, you'll have eternal life. So I want you to know that there's promised provision if we sow for the kingdom's sake and for the gospel's sake and for God's sake, for his sake in the gospel. This is why we give to missionaries. This is why we, we give for the, for the spreading of the gospel. It's a step of obedience. It's a step of faith, but there's promised provision. Let me move quickly into my third point and it's giving to the poor. So tithing is a way that we activate God's provision. Giving for the gospel's sake is a way that we activate his provision. And thirdly, giving to the poor. Proverbs 28, 27 says this, whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. In other words, this church, listen, if you give for the poor, you will never be poor. If you want to escape poverty in your life, find somebody poorer than you and give. You may have to search to find someone poorer than you. But when you find them, give. So what I'm telling you, church, is in this time, in this day and age, in this uncertainty in the world that we live in, more than ever, we need to tie our life to the kingdom of God, which is unflappable and unshakable. Every aspect of our life needs to be tied to the kingdom of God. I love that song we sing it says, I will build my life on his kingdom, on his name, on the name of Jesus. I want my life attached to the rock of the kingdom of God in every area, including finances. So if you're here today and there are some financial challenges in your life, and God has laid out a process for you to walk in his provision, it's going to take step, a step of faith and it's going to take an act of obedience but my encouragement to you is to give so that you can receive. Don't be, uh, don't be scared of giving with the idea of I'm planting so that I can reap something in return. God laid it out that way. In fact, I think I can say this with certainty, that in every instance that God commands people to give, it is always incentivized with a promise of return. All throughout the word of God. This isn't us being materialistic. Now, can it be materialistic? Absolutely. Can this be twisted? Absolutely. But we're not trying to do that. We're just trying to posture ourselves properly before the Lord. Be a giver. Now, this is what the word says. Jody didn't write this. I'm just the, just the deliverer of this message. But I want you to tell you that, that I believe this stuff. So much so that Laurie and I and our family live this stuff. We've lived this out, not only our entire life, but even this has been passed down to us by our parents. Both of Laurie and I come from families who tithe. Both of us come from families that are givers. Both of us come from families who have seen the things that I've just explained to you. They've, we've seen, they've seen that in action in their lives. And this was passed down to us. And Lori and I, at the end of this month, we will have been married for 32 years. She's been putting up with me. Come on. We have seen God's provision over and over and over again in our life. God can be trusted. He's faithful. 
If you want to walk in his provision, be obedient to his word. As I was preparing for this message, I was just going back through our life together and looking at the times when God has challenged us to give. Several years back, there was a, a missionary that we support as a church and, and, um, and he emailed the church and just said, hey, would you guys be praying for us? Because we're believing God to buy a house here in the, on the mission field where we serve. And at that time, Laurie and I were believing for a house. And so it's like this missionary said, would you pray with us for a house while Laurie and I were believing for a house? I don't, it just didn't take much spiritual sensitivity to know that that was an opportunity to sow. As soon as I got that email, call Laurie, said, hey, you know, such and such, they're, they're, they're believing for a house. What would you think about me and you sowing into them so that we could reap for our house? She said, absolutely, baby. We grabbed the checkbook, sent an offering to them to help them buy their house. Why? Because we were believing for a house. You see how that works, church? Years ago, we felt led of the Lord to give a car away to a, a person in our church, a, a woman who was uh, experiencing some financial difficulty. And Laurie and I had a car and we just, it was the biggest thing we had ever done. And we were like, okay, but we were so excited. About, I'm telling you, church, this is, this is what you don't understand. It's like, it was so, you're nervous and you're scared, but you're excited. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. We get to give away a car. First of all, we owned a car, come on. And we could give it away. And it was one of the happiest days of our life when we handed the title and the keys to a car just saying, the Lord loves you and he sees you. This is a single mother. The Lord loves you and sees you and he just told us to bless you with this car. It was such a beautiful day. Listen, the Bible says it's, it's better to give than receive. In that moment, I felt it. I'm like, I know she's happy she's getting a car, but it is such a blessing for me to be able to give this car. And so we sowed this car into this woman's life. A few years later, we had no idea what God was going to do in our life and where he would bring us. But a few years later, we're on the mission field in Belize. And we spent a year there doing mission work. We had sold all of our vehicles. We had sold our house. It was a whole Mark 10 thing. We had sold it all for his. And I reminded him often. We sold it all, right? We come off the mission field, get back to the States. Again, I'm already thinking we need a vehicle. Okay, we need to start working things out. Somebody knocked on my door, opened the door. Hey, I just need you to know God told me to give you a car. What did we sow? What did we reap? A car. It's how the kingdom of God works. And God is just faithful over and over and over again. Years ago, when the church was a lot smaller, we were in that building over there, which is our children's building now. That was the main auditorium. And, and um, we had vision to build this building, but we needed to pay off the mortgage on that building first. And so God gave um, the leadership here at the church just this plan. They called it the 552 plan, okay? And here's what it meant was they encouraged families to give $5 a week for 52 weeks, if all the families in the church gave $5 a week for 52 weeks in a year, we could pay off the mortgage on that building, okay? So we all said amen to that. And Laurie and I are in our early 20s. We don't have a bunch of money. And we worked at a church. We don't have a bunch of money. 
But when this, when, when, when this vision came before the church, Laura and I looked at each other and said, we got to do this. Hey, listen, though, we, we upped it. We went to $25 a week for 52 weeks. We took five spots. Every week, we would give our tithes, and on top of our tithes, we gave another $25. And we did this for 52 weeks. God miraculously paid off the mortgage on the, it was supposed to be a year. It happened in a few months. Uh, we brought a bucket out and burned the mortgage of, of that building in a bucket, right? It looked like some kind of satanic ritual or whatever, but it was, we burned that. It was beautiful, right? And Laurie and I were just, our, our idea was if we build God's house, he'll build ours. If we'll engage in that. And so, while we're doing this and we're engaged in this process, um, the Lord brings a uh, kind of out of the blue, brings a real estate deal before us. And we weren't real estate moguls. In fact, I don't think Chip and Joanna Gain had flipped their first house when we did this. We did it before they made it cool. <laughs> but this, this real estate deal comes up and we're offered this deal. And we just felt like, okay, this is, this is the Lord's provision. And, um, and so we bought this, this house and it had some property attached to it. And um, it was a good deal and we felt like it was from the Lord. And after we bought it, I got to looking at it and I'm like, you know, we could actually, I could actually take some of this land and separate it from the house and sell the land separately and maybe even be a better investment. And so I had the surveyors come out and we kind of separated some of the land and made it its own piece. This was back, uh, anybody remember the thrifty nickel? Kids, um, the thrifty nickel. It's not an app. Uh, it may be now, I don't know. I put an ad in the thrifty nickel about this land for sale. Within 24 hours, I sold that land. And what we sold it for covered the cost of the entire thing we had just bought. Within 24 hours, God put us at zero on an interest. I mean, on, on an investment. We were just sitting at blank. Then we renovated the house. We turned around and we sold the house. And in our, in our late 20s, we end up with thousands of dollars. We didn't know what we were doing. I am fully convinced though, that when we sow into the building of God's house, he starts getting to work in the building of our house. And I'm telling you over and over again, Laurie and I have seen the provision of the Lord in our lives, but it, his provision always shows up on the other side of faith and obedience. I'm saying this to build your faith because I don't know what your situation is. Some of you are doing great here today. And if that's you, Praise God, just don't let your money become your God. I mean, if you're killing it, great. But if you're in need, come on, you have the God that sees. He knows and he's made provision for you. It's just on the other side of your obedience. If you believe that and are happy about it, stand up with me. See how I did that? So if you stay sitting down, everybody's gonna know it, all right? I hope this has encouraged you. I hope this has given you some instruction and encouraged you. And if you're believing God for something today, my prayer is that God will give you his plan. What are you going to sow? Where are you going to sow? Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, we ought to tithe anyway. Can I hear an amen? But also we can give for the gospel's sake.
We can give to the poor. Find those ways to sow your finances so that God will bring a harvest of finances into your life. Would you bow your head right now and just posture your heart before the Lord? Father, we realize your kingdom works differently than our natural thinking. Some of this stuff stretches our faith, Lord. But Father, our heart is to walk in the fullness of what you have and have for us. So Lord, you may just have to ask him, God, you're gonna have to work on my heart about this. Give me a heart to, to, uh, to follow and to be obedient in this situation. Now I want you to ask God to give you, to show you somewhere to begin to sow. Come on, if you, need, if you need financial breakthrough this morning, ask God, Lord, where do I sow? Where do I plant my seed? Where does, where does this seed need to go? And I'm believing God's gonna give some of you plans for giving here today. And that as you're obedient to that, you're gonna find his provision on the other side. Lord, we trust you. You're faithful. You're trustworthy. We love you and honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, if you receive that message, just let me know about it. And